2005 Southern California Harvest Podcast 6. Greetings and welcome to this special Crusade edition of A Time for Harvest. These podcasts are brought to you by Harvest Ministries at Harvest.org in partnership with the Godcast Network. I'm Steve Webb, host of the LifeSpring Podcast at LifeSpringPodcast.com, which is a proud member of the Godcast Network, found at Godcast.org. As we've said before, we hope you can join us in person at the Anaheim Crusade on July 15th through 17th, 2005, or at an upcoming crusade near you. In the meantime, if you'd like to read more about how you can begin a relationship with God right now, or if you've recently made a decision to do so, please visit us on the web at www.nogod.org. That's K-N-O-W-G-O-D.org. You can register your decision, take advantage of a wealth of resources to help you get the most out of your relationship, and even receive a free copy of the New Testament. If you're already a believer and would like to help support Harvest Crusades by putting a Bible in the hands of a new believer, please visit us at harvest.org STW. To subscribe to these podcasts, you can at harvestpodcast.org. And lastly, to sign up for Pastor Greg's free daily devotional via email, visit harvest.org devotional. You can also email Greg directly at greg at harvest.org. This podcast is an especially important one in that all the previous episodes have been leading up to this, the message that God has laid on pastor and evangelist Greg Laurie's heart. What you're about to hear is the first of three messages that Pastor Greg will be giving over the next three nights. In this first Friday night message, Pastor Greg deals with fear. Today's world has many things that cause us to fear. The latest example is the bombings in London, terrorism. But there are many other things that bring fear to our hearts, and Greg addresses many of them tonight. Tonight I want to talk to you about God's cure for heart trouble. Let me ask you a couple of questions. Have you ever been stressed out to the max? Have you ever had one of those days when it seemed like everything went wrong and what couldn't possibly go wrong went wrong too? Or let me rephrase the question. Do you have kids? And more to the point, do you have teenagers? Yeah. You know what I'm talking about. You know, we live in the information age. We can get information on demand. Of course, we have our cell phones. Remember when cell phones first came out? You know, you had them in your car where you could drive around and talk on the phone in your car. Then someone came out with the first portable cell phone. It was about the size of a World War II walkie-talkie. Remember? Big old giant brick. Then they got smaller and smaller and smaller. And now everyone has them. You know, children have them. Babies have them. Dogs and cats have cell phones now. Everybody. And they're talking all the time. Who on earth are all of these people talking to? I have no idea. But you see them when they're out on the road driving a little bit crazy. And we're getting that information. And you can get your little PDA devices or your Blackberries or your Trios and get the latest sports scores or find out what's going on in the stock market or get the latest headline. And you know what that does? It just makes you more stressed. Because now you have the information barraging you all the time and there's things you begin to worry about. You ever had one of those times where you woke up in the middle of the night and you just started to worry? And if you didn't have anything to worry about, you started to worry about that? I read that an average person's anxiety is focused on 40% things that will never happen, 30% things about the past that can't be changed, 12% things about criticism by others, mostly untrue, 10% we worry about our health, which actually gets worse with stress, and 8% about real problems that will actually be faced. And when you're worried when you're stressed, it can actually hurt you physically. Studies have suggested that high levels of stress can lead to obesity and trigger a raft of diseases from heart attacks to ulcers, depression, nervous breakdown, and even cancer, according to the experts, can be stress-related. 
Up to 90% of the doctor's visits in the USA are triggered by a stress-related illness. And there's so many things to freak us out today. Terrorism. I mean, look at what just happened in London. Those people were just getting on the train, on the subway for another day. Little did they realize that would be their last day. And this war against terrorism is certainly not over. And then we hear about these rogue nations that threaten to possibly use nuclear weapons like North Korea and Iran. I read an article in the paper today where one of the major generals from China gave a stern warning to the U.S. that if we messed around with Taiwan they might, might, might use nuclear weaponry against us. It's crazy. And then you worry about one of these terrorist groups getting hold of a nuke and using it on us. There's a lot of things to stress us out. A lot of things to be afraid of in life today. And then there are those personal fears that we all have. Sometimes they're described as phobias. Maybe you have a claustrophobia, fear of tight spaces, or other types of fear. I read an article in Time Magazine, a cover story on fear, and they talked about the fact that 50 million Americans have some kind of fear or phobia. Now some of these I'd never heard of before. There was cathisphobia, the fear of sitting. That's a fear, a phobia. I hope you don't have that fear tonight. There's ablutophobia, the fear of bathing. I really hope you don't have that fear. And more to the point, I hope you're not sitting next to someone with that fear. There's dentophobia, which I can almost understand, the fear of dentists. Here's an interesting one. Cyclophobia, the fear of bicycles. So right now with the Tour de France, you are just freaking out, right? And these even get weirder, and I'm not making any of these up. There's electrophobia, the fear of chickens. Every time you drive by Kentucky Fried Chicken, you break out in a cold sweat, I guess. As a rockabutophobia, the fear of peanut butter sticking to the roof of your mouth. Is this a real problem we have to worry about? Here's an interesting one. Lutrophobia, the fear of otters. Yeah. Never know when an otter is going to sneak up on you. Here's one of my favorites. Automatonphobia. This is a real phobia. The fear of ventriloquist dummies. And if you get a ventriloquist dummy with peanut butter sticking to the roof of, your mouth, of his mouth holding an otter, we're talking freak out time, right? Here's another phobia, hatophobia, the fear of hell. Ornophobia, the fear of heaven. Here's one of my favorites, pelotophobia, the fear of baldness and bald people. Hope you don't have that fear. And my favorite of all phobias, phobophobia, the fear of phobias. Crazy. But life is filled with frightening things. We all have our own personal fears that we face. Disappointment is a trouble, and there are many disappointments in life. We're disappointed with ourselves because we're not always what we want to be. We want to be strong, but we're often weak. We want to be successful, but we experience many failures. We want to be loved, but people are often indifferent toward us. People disappoint us. They let us down. Circumstances are a source of trouble. The loss of a job an unexpected sickness, something not going right, and uncertainty about the future. Now you might say, now Greg, you know, when I came here tonight, I had no fears, but after listening to you for about eight minutes, I'm really freaking out right now, okay? Well, that's not my intention. Because I want to share with you the words of Jesus that I hope will bring comfort to your heart if you are filled with fear or if you are troubled right now. This, this is God's cure for heart trouble. It's found in John 14. Verses one to six. Jesus says, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, you may be also. And where I go, you know, and the way you know. Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you're going. How can we know the way? And Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no man comes to the Father except through me. Let's pause for just a moment of prayer, if you would. That's worth applauding for. Now, let's pray just for a moment. Let's pray together. Father, we believe now these words are true. And we know that there are people listening right now that need to know you. They have troubled hearts. They're stressed out. They're agitated. Would you help them to... Sense your touch this night and help them to come to you. We pray that your Holy Spirit will do his work 
in our midst. We commit it to you now in Jesus' name. Amen. What was going on when Jesus originally delivered these words? It was a tough night. Jesus had just revealed that Judas Iscariot was going to betray him. That came as a shock, by the way, to the disciples. I think a lot of times we imagine that Judas Iscariot, from the word go, was always the most obvious guy to be the betrayer. You know, all the other disciples would wear white robes and Judas would wear like a black robe, you know, and sort of hide in the shadows, that kind of thing. But the fact of the matter is, is when Jesus said, one of you is going to betray me, they didn't all stand up in unison and point at Judas and say, it's Judas, isn't it? Each one of the disciples said, is it me? And when Jesus told them Judas was going to betray him, they couldn't believe it. And then Simon Peter thought there would be a great opportunity to boast of his devotion. And he said, Lord, though I'll deny you, I will never deny you. Jesus said, well, since you brought it up, Peter, before the rooster has crowed twice, you will deny three times that you know me. And then he dropped the bombshell. He, the Lord himself, was going to leave them. They did not understand that he was going to the cross to die for the sins of the world. All they knew was he said, I'm going to leave you. And they were agitated. They were stressed out. They were filled with fear. So Jesus says, let not your heart be troubled. Neither let it be afraid. You believe in God. Believe also in me. It's an interesting word that he uses here for troubled. When he says, let not your heart be troubled, it means don't let your heart shudder. It may look like your world is falling apart, our Lord is saying, and darkness is about to overtake you, but don't let your heart be troubled. And let me tell you why not. And he gives them three reasons why they did not have to be afraid. And the same things he said to them apply to us right now. Why do I not have to have a heart filled with fear and anxiety and trouble? Number one, Jesus says, take God at his word. He says, believe in me. You believe in God, believe also in me. Do you believe in God tonight? Actor George Clooney stated, I don't believe in heaven and hell. I don't know if I even believe in God. All I know that as an individual, I won't allow this life, the only thing I know, to be wasted. End quote. Actor Kevin Costner is a bit more hopeful on the subject. He recently did a movie that dealt with what happens after death and he said in an interview, I've always wanted to believe that there's something more to life than what we have here on earth. When asked if he believed in heaven, Costner replied, I desperately want to. I mean, I want to believe that a part of me will continue on after this life and that there's more to me than to this life right here on earth. Yes, says Kevin Costner, I want to believe. Jesus says to Kevin Costner, believe in me. He says the same to you. He says, look, I know what I'm doing here. My word is true. You see, when you become a Christian, this means that God begins to lead and guide you and he has a plan for your life. The word oops is not in God's vocabulary. And he is well aware of everything that's going on in your life. The Bible says the very hairs of your head are numbered. In my case, that's not a big deal. It's not a lot of work. But for some of you, that's attention to detail. He has a plan, a purpose for you. When you're a believer, you're not a victim of circumstance, hoping that your luck will not run out. No, you know that God has a plan. And he has given you a user's manual for life to live by called the Bible. Now, I don't know about you, but I sort of like electronic gadgets. And the first thing I do when I get a new gadget is I open up the box, pull it out, and I start pushing buttons. And more than once I've had something bad happen. And I, what happened? What, what, what did I do? And then I open up the manual and the first page says, whatever you do, don't do this first. And I just did that, you see. So I've come to discover you ought to read the user's manual. And also if you notice that there's warning labels on just about everything now and Usually for good reason because presumably some person did the very thing they're warning you not to do. Well God has given us a book that yes warns us about things that can harm us. I read of some actual warning labels that are out there and I'm not making any of these up. On a cardboard windshield sunshade is this warning. Warning do not drive with sunshield in place. That means someone did it. I can't see anything. What's wrong? On a hair dryer, do not use while sleeping. An actual warning. How do you use a hair dryer when you're sleeping? On an electric rotary tool, warning, this product is not intended for use as a dental drill. Ooh. They probably would have that fear of dentists, I'm sure. 
on a bathroom heater. This product is not to be used in bathrooms. On a manual for a microwave oven is this warning, do not use for drying pets. Uh-oh. You've all heard about the, you know, poodle that exploded in the microwave. I, I think it's an urban myth, but maybe not. Here's a warning on a box of rat poison. Warning, this has been found to cause cancer in laboratory mice. Good. But I was hoping for something a little faster than that, you see. It's rat poison. On children's car cough medicine, do not use while operating heavy machinery. I'll mention that to my five-year-old the next time he takes the forklift out for a spin. Here's a warning on a sign in a railway station. Beware to touch these wires is instant death. Anyone found doing so will be prosecuted. <laughs> Here's a really scary one. This warning is actually on a child-sized Superman costume. Warning, wearing this costume does not enable you to fly. Oh no. Think of these crazy people who have tried to dry their hair while they're asleep or microwave their dog or jump off a building because they were wearing a Superman costume. If only they had read the warning label. And the same is true of life. The Bible tells us that all Scripture is inspired by God. It's useful to teach us what is true and make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It straightens us out and it teaches us to do what is right. It is God's way of preparing us in every way, fully equipped for every good thing that God wants us to do. He's given you this book to live by that points you to Him and shows you how to live forever. But many people won't read the Bible. Many people are afraid of the Bible. Have you ever noticed how people react when you pull a Bible out? You ever been on an airplane? And you know, you're, maybe you have that one seat from hell, you know, the middle seat in economy. And I always get behind the one guy that feels he has to recline for the entire flight, of course. So there you are, you're trapped, and you know, you think, you know, maybe I'll just pull my Bible out. And, and you reach down and you pull it out, and boy, you know, people will be chatting with you, everything's cool, and all of a sudden, this mysterious book with the gold pages comes out. And they see it, and I've seen people sort of recoil, like, oh, no, you know, like, like they're afraid it's going to attack them or something. Sorry, it's a living Bible, you know, I, what can I say? They're, they're afraid of this book. But this book tells you how to know God. Everything you need to know about God is found in the pages of the Bible. But many people don't even read it. I heard a true story of a young man that was graduating from college. He had talked with his dad ahead of time and asked his dad if he would buy him a car for his graduation present. And the boy thought the father had agreed. They even went down to the car lot and looked at a particular model. By all of his friends were getting cars for their graduation present. So graduation day finally came and all the boys are getting the keys of their new cars and this boy was so excited and his dad came walking up and presented him with a package and the boy ripped off the paper and opened it up and instead of finding the keys to a car he found a Bible. He was so mad at his dad for buying him a Bible instead of a car. He took the box, thrust it back in his father's hands, turned around and walked away and never spoke to his father again. A number of years passed and his father died. The boy went over to his father's house, which he had not been to since that day, was going through some of his possessions and there sitting up on his shelf was that box that he remembered from his graduation day. He took it down, he blew off the dust, he opened it up and there was the Bible and for the first time he lifted that Bible out of the box and he began to flip through the pages when suddenly he found an envelope tucked inside of the Bible with his name on it. He opened up the envelope and inside was a cashier's check in the exact amount of the car made out to him on the day of his graduation. In other words, his father had given him the car he had wanted but he just needed to open the Bible to find out he didn't realize what his father had done for him because he did not open his Bible. And we do the same thing when we don't open this book and find out what God has to say. Here's what Jesus is saying to his disciples. My word is true. Don't freak out. I know what I'm doing. Number two, the second reason you don't have to be troubled. If you're a Christian, you're going to heaven. 
I said if you're a Christian, you're going to heaven. That is good news. It's good news. Jesus said in my Father's house are many mansions that were not so I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And this means that no matter what you're going through in life, it pales when you look at it in the light of this great hope that you are going to go to heaven. In that video that we watched a few moments ago, by the way, it was from our Georgia crusade. We just finished in Augusta, Georgia. There was a young man there in the wheelchair who had tried drugs and other things and he was looking forward to the day when God would give him a new body. And you know what, when he gets to heaven, he won't be in a wheelchair. He'll be leaping and jumping because you'll have new bodies. There'll be no disabilities in heaven. You won't see the impairments of age in heaven. You might say, well, Greg, if I'm in heaven, could we hang out a little bit? Sure, let's get together. But don't look for a bald guy. Look for a guy with hair, man. It's the new body. I'll have a big old afro, I think. I put in for one. Second Corinthians 4, 17 says, our present troubles are quite small and won't last very long, but they produce for us an immeasurably great glory that will last forever. So we don't look at the troubles we can see right now. Rather, we look forward to what we have not yet seen, for the troubles we see will soon be over, but the joys to come will last forever. Deep inside, every one of us looks forward to going to a place we've never been before. C.S. Lewis calls this the inconsolable longing. He writes, and I quote, there have been times when I think we do not desire heaven, but more often I find myself wondering whether in our heart of hearts if we have ever desired anything else. It is a secret signature of each soul, the incommunicable and unappeasable want, the thing we desired when we first met our wives or made our friends or chose our work in which we still desire on our deathbed when the mind no longer knows wife or friend or work, end quote. It's a longing for heaven whether you know it or not because God made you that way. God created you in His image but there's a big old hole in your heart and there's something missing and that's why you're never gonna find it in the things this world offers. You're not gonna find it in drugs. You're not gonna find it in partying. You're not gonna find it in sex. You're not gonna find it in success or accomplishments or anything else. You were made to know God and you're longing to go to a place you've never been before because you will live forever and if you're a Christian, you'll live forever in the presence of God in heaven. You have God's word on it and you can take it to the bank. Now when Jesus says he has a mansion picked out for us, I don't know if that means we have some like palatial estate like they would have in Beverly Hills, I kind of doubt it. it. Does remind me of a story I heard of a minister and a New York cab driver who both died and went to heaven. And of course Simon Peter met him at the pearly gates and the cab driver was first and Simon Peter said, well welcome to heaven and we have a beautiful mansion picked out for you, it's right over there. And off that cab driver went to one of the most beautiful homes you've ever seen in your life. Well, the minister standing right behind him began to stand a little taller. He thought, hey, if a New York cabbie gets a mansion, imagine what I, a minister, will get. I can hardly wait. So he steps up and Peter looks at him and says, you were a minister, weren't you? And he said, yes, I was. He says, well, you see that little shack down there? That's what we have for you. Minister said, a shack. I spent my life preaching the gospel. You give a mansion to a cab driver and you give me a shack? Peter said, well, you see, when you preached, people slept, but when he drove, people prayed. If you've ever been on a cab in New York City, you understand that joke, okay? They drive a little crazy. Okay, so why do I not have to have a troubled heart? Number one, take God at His word. His word is true. Number two, as a Christian, I'm going to heaven. And here's the third reason I don't need to have a troubled heart tonight. Jesus Christ is coming back again. I'm going to talk about that tomorrow night. We have never been closer to the return of Jesus Christ than we are at this very moment. When General Douglas MacArthur left the Philippines in the early months of World War II, 
he fled Corregidor in apparent defeat. Upon reaching Australia, he sent back this now famous declaration, I shall return. He kept his promise. It took him a little longer than many had hoped. But three years later, MacArthur stood on Philippine soil and proclaimed his second historic statement, I have returned. Jesus said, I will come again and someday in the not too distant future he'll set his foot on planet earth and say, I have returned. He's coming back again. And notice that Jesus says that he is coming to receive you. If I go away I will come again and receive you unto myself. He didn't say take you. God's not gonna force you to go to heaven. He's not gonna say, get up to heaven right now, young man. You know? <laughs> hey, heaven is a prepared place for prepared people. And the Bible says in Hebrews 9, 28 that Christ is coming back again with salvation to those who are eagerly waiting for Him. Are you eagerly waiting for the Lord tonight? Are you looking forward for His return? I think your very reaction to the soon return of Christ is a real barometer, if you will, of where you're at spiritually. When I say to you, Jesus is coming back soon, if your heart sort of leaps for joy and you say, oh, I hope it's tonight, that would say to me, you're close to God. But if when I say Jesus is coming back as soon and your heart sinks a little bit and you say, oh man, <laughs> I hope not, that would say to me, you're not right with God. But He is coming back and He could come back tonight. And the Bible tells us that two are gonna be working in a field and one's gonna be taken and the other is gonna be left. Two are gonna be in a bed. One will be taken and the other left. Many are gonna meet the Lord but some are gonna be left on this earth. And I ask you, if Christ came back tonight, would you be one of the ones caught up to meet the Lord in the air or would you be one of the ones who would be left on this earth? You decide. You have the choice to make. You can get right or you can get left. Get right with God tonight and I'll tell you how in a few moments. One night my wife and I were laying in bed. It's okay, we've been married for 30 years plus. And my wife was saying, oh Greg, just imagine we, we might go to bed one night and wake up in heaven. The Lord could just come back for us. It would be so glorious. Wouldn't it be? And I said, oh yeah, it really would be. And as she went on, I, I sort of snuck out of the bed really quietly. And I was laying on the floor and she didn't know I'd gotten out of the bed. Greg, just imagine, you know, we'd just go to meet the Lord. Greg, Greg, Greg! And I, I'm on the floor laughing. <laughs> Don't try that at home. I am a professional. A professional idiot. So why do I not have to have heart trouble tonight? Number one, God's word is true. Number two, I'm going to heaven. Number three, Jesus Christ is coming back for me again. But again, these promises are only for the person who has placed their faith in Christ. Now Jesus offers a somewhat mysterious statement. He says, where I go you know and the way you know. You know, I think sometimes when the Lord would speak to his disciples, they didn't have a clue as to what he was talking about. Sort of a bit like being in a class maybe in school. Maybe the math teacher does this complex equation on the board and turns back to the class and says, now does everyone understand? And everyone nods their head in unison. Oh yeah, we understand. You don't have a clue what it means. I think the disciples were that way too. Jesus would say things that say, oh, that is so good. That is deep. I love it. I think this is one of those days. And where I go, you know, and the way you know. I think all the disciples were nodding. Yes. Thomas is like, Excuse me, I have a question. Yes, Thomas. We don't know where you're going and we don't know the way. I love that. Aren't you glad Thomas asked that question? Jesus didn't rebuke him. He responded to him. And you know what Thomas is often called doubting Thomas. Don't be a doubting Thomas. But I think of Thomas more as a skeptic. He was a man who wanted to know for himself. And Jesus specializes in turning skeptics into believers. Maybe you've come here tonight as a skeptic. I was skeptical when I first went to a Christian meeting and heard the gospel for the first time. The last thing I planned on doing was becoming a follower of Jesus, but as I listened, God touched my heart and I put my faith in Christ and was forgiven of my sins and I'm gonna give you an opportunity to do the same thing. Jesus says, 
Where I go, you know the way, you know. We don't know. I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no man comes to the Father but through me. How do we get to heaven? Some people think it's by living a good life. A Barna poll reveals that half of all Americans believe that if a person is generally good or does enough good things for others during their life, they will earn a place in heaven. A lot of people believe that. Do you believe that? The problem is, what is good? <laughs> Whose definition of good will we go by? Yours? Mine? And even if this were true and it's not, I frankly don't think that most people do more good things than bad things in their life. If it was really true that if your good deeds outweighed your bad deeds, you would go to heaven, I still think most people wouldn't get to heaven. But it's not that way at all. It's not about your good deeds. See, all other religions essentially say, do this. Do this and maybe you'll go to heaven. Do this and you'll reach nirvana. Do this and you'll have peace of mind. It's do, do, do. Christianity says done because Jesus paid the price for your sin on the cross and said it is finished. It's done. The Bible says it's not by works of righteousness which we have done but according to his mercy he has saved us. The Bible says it's through grace that we are saved, not of works, lest any man should boast. The Bible says there is salvation in no other, for there is no other name given under heaven by which a man can be saved. Now, Oprah Winfrey made this statement, and I quote, one of the biggest mistakes humans make is to believe there is only one way. Actually, there are many diverse paths leading to what you call God, end quote. Sorry, Oprah. Jesus would disagree with you, and I'm gonna go with him if you don't mind. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. You say, but Greg, that's so narrow-minded. I believe as long as a person is sincere in their beliefs that they'll get to heaven. As long as, you know, they, they believe with all their heart, I believe all roads lead to God. Oh, come on, do you really believe that? What would you think if you went down to the airport and boarded a plane tomorrow morning for Honolulu, Hawaii? Now as you were cruising down the runway, your pilot said, good morning ladies and gentlemen. Uh, is this flight 323 with direct service to Honolulu, Hawaii? Our cruising altitude will be 32,000 feet. We'll be showing a movie. And by the way, folks, the pilot says, I'm not so sure about this whole fuel thing. You know, some people are really into fuel, having enough fuel, but I don't know. I look at this gauge. I don't even really know how to read the gauge. It looks to me like this plane's about a quarter full, but who cares about that? Don't worry about it. We'll get there. I feel really good about this. I'm really sincere in my beliefs, and I'm not really into these navigation devices or any of these maps. That's too narrow and bigoted. You see, folks, I believe all roads lead to Hawaii. You know what I'd say? I'd say there's a psycho in the cockpit, okay? Get me off this plane. I want a pilot that's narrow-minded. I want a pilot that thinks clearly. And yet we'll have people, when it comes to eternity, say, well, I just believe if I'm good enough and if I just do good works. What are you talking about? Jesus told you how to get to heaven. See, there's only one man who has ever walked this earth that could put us in contact with the God we're separated from. It was Jesus. Not just a good man, he was the God man. Not man becoming God, that's impossible, but God becoming man. He lived the perfect life. He never sinned, not even once. He voluntarily went to a cross and died for the sin of the world. And with one hand he took hold of a holy God and the other hand he took hold of sinful humanity and they drove spikes through his hands and he bled and died there for you so you could be forgiven of every sin you have ever committed and know that when you die you will go to heaven and be ready for the Lord's return. Do you have heart trouble tonight? Are you afraid? Jesus Christ can remove that fear and replace it with faith. And you can walk out of here a different person on the inside than when you came in. Well, what do I need to do, you might ask? How, how do I go to heaven? 
How can I be sure I'll be ready for the Lord's return? Here's what you need to do. Number one, realize you're a sinner. The Bible says all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Stop the blame game. Stop blaming your parents. Stop blaming your addictive behavior. Stop blaming your dog, your cat, whoever you blame. Take responsibility for what you've done. You've sinned, you've crossed the line, you've done the wrong thing. The Bible says all have sinned. And we have to just say, God be merciful to me a sinner. I know that I've done it. But then number two, recognize that Jesus Christ, the Son of God, died on the cross for you. No one took his life. He laid it down willingly for us. Jesus said, greater love has no man than this. And he laid on his life for his friends. Number three, you need to repent of your sin. The Bible says God has commanded people everywhere to repent. The word repent means to change your direction. That means turn from all known sin. And if you're really gonna be a follower of Jesus, you need to be willing to turn your back on that lifestyle and start going in God's direction. Number four, you need to receive Christ into your life. The Bible says for as many, for as many received him, for as many as received him, he gave them the power to become sons of God. You see, if someone offers you a gift and you want it, you have to reach out and accept the gift. God is offering you the gift of eternal life. You need to say, Lord, thank you. I'll, I'll, I'll accept that. I'll receive it. Jesus says, behold, I stand at the door and knock. If you'll hear my voice and open the door, I will come in. Only you can open the door of your heart to Christ. Will you do that tonight? Number five, you must do it publicly. And that is why I'm gonna ask you to do what thousands have done over the last 15 years here at the Angel Stadium. That's why in a few moments after we pray, I'm gonna ask you if you wanna be forgiven of your sin, if you want Christ to come into your life, if you wanna be ready for his return, to get up out of your seat and walk down to this field behind the stage, and when you all get here, I'll lead you in a prayer. Why would I ask you to come publicly? Because Jesus said, if you will acknowledge me before people, I'll acknowledge you before my Father and the angels in heaven. But he added, if you deny me before people, I'll deny you before the Father and the angels. And sixth and lastly, you must do it now. Don't put it off. Don't say, well, you know what? I'll do it tomorrow night or Sunday night. No. The Bible says now is the time. Today is the day of salvation. See, you don't know when life could end. You don't know that the Lord could not come tonight and you would be one of the ones who would be left. Now is the time. No more excuses. No more delays. You know you want to do it. It's time to think for yourself and do the right thing and come to Jesus Christ. You'll be glad you did. I guarantee that. Let's pray together. Now, Father, your word has gone out and your word is true. And I know there are people here that have heard your voice. Would you help them to come to you now and receive your forgiveness? Help them to turn from their sin. Help them to believe in Jesus and find the cure for their heart trouble and be ready for your return. Bring them to yourself right now, we ask in Jesus' name, amen. If you want your sin forgiven, if you want to know that when you die you will go to heaven, if you want to be ready for the Lord's return right now wherever you're sitting, I want you to get up out of your seat and step into the nearest aisle and begin, begin, begin to make your way down to this field behind the stage. Young people, old people, get up and come. If you're up in the top balcony it takes you a little bit longer. So step into the aisle. God's been speaking to your heart. He's been preparing you for this moment. I'm gonna ask my Christian friends a big favor right now. Hear me, please. I'm gonna ask that nobody leave early as it creates a distraction. The only movement we wanna see is the movement of those coming down on the field. Would you please pray for the person in front of you? You may not know them. Maybe you do. Pray for the person behind you. Pray for the person on your right and on your left. Pray that if they don't know the Lord, that they would come to Him tonight. Also, some of you may need to come back to the Lord. Your prodigal sons and daughters. There was a time when you walked with Christ, but you've been doing things you know you should not be doing. And you would be ashamed to be doing them if Christ came back again and it's time to get right with God and return to the Lord. You get up and come as well. Wherever you are, come down quickly and we'll wait, we'll wait till you all get here. 
come to Jesus Christ and find his forgiveness because God so loved the world. He gave his only begotten son and whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. You get up and come as the band plays. Now is the time Today is the day Choose whom you'll serve Who will obey He knocks at the not say yes is to by default say no. You say, oh no, Greg, I admire Jesus. I think highly of him. No. Jesus did not say admire me. He said, follow me. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. As we read, and no man comes of the Father but by me. Radical claims. He is either a liar or he is a lunatic or he is the Lord. You need to decide. To not say yes is to say no. What side are you on? The Bible says, choose this day whom you will serve. If the Lord is God, then follow Him. It's time to decide. Don't let someone else do your thinking for you. Maybe you're sitting with your friends right now. You're thinking to yourself, you know, I'd like to go forward and ask Christ into my life, but if I did that, what would my friend sitting next to me think? Your friend sitting next to you is thinking, you know, I'd like to go forward and give my life to Christ, but what would my friend sitting next to me think? Who cares what your friend thinks? What does God think? It's time to decide. As the song says, come with all your sorrows. Come for you're not promised tomorrow. Now is the time. Today is the day. I believe God is speaking to other hearts right now. You have an appointment with God. I suggest you keep it. As the group sings, Anybody else? Step into that aisle. Come down those stairs, especially you on the top level up there. It takes you longer. You get up and come. God loves you. He'll forgive you of whatever sin you've committed if you'll turn from it. But you must come to Him. As a group sings, get up and come. Now is the time Today is the day Choose whom you serve Whom you obey He knocks at the door He calls out to say
sitting there. You're thinking, well, it's about time to get out of here. I'm not into this. Not going to go for it. I'm too skeptical. If you could just prove this to me, I would believe. Show me and I'll believe. I understand that attitude. I had that very same attitude when I first went to a Bible study. And I was one of the last ones to go forward. You know why? Because I thought, you know, this would be nice if it were true. But it's not true. There's no way it's true. But then I thought for a moment and I thought, well, what if it is true? I mean, it's not, of course, but what if it is? Just what if? Then I thought, what if the Christians are right and I'm wrong? And then that kind of scared me because I thought, well, what if there really is a heaven and there really is a hell? Would I go to hell? I certainly didn't want to do that. And when I went forward at that invitation, like some of you are coming right now, I, even as I went forward I was thinking, this isn't going to work for me. I'm not the religious type. God's going to say no to me. And I'm so happy to tell you I was wrong. God said yes to me and He forgave me. And He'll do the same for you. Remember I said Jesus specializes in turning skeptics into believers. There's still time. The group's going to sing one more song. There might be a few more of you that need to make this commitment. We still see people coming down. I want to give you the time to do this. But this will be our final song tonight. So if you're going to come, you need to come now. Come to Jesus Christ. God so loved the world that He gave His only Son that
invitation is almost over with. God says, my spirit will not always strive with man. That means there can come a point where God says, you've gone too far. It breaks his heart, but there is a point of no return. The Bible says, he who has often reproved hardens his heart and he will be cut off and that without remedy. And that simply means that there can come a point where your heart is irreparably hardened because you've said no, no, no. Why would you do that? If you say no to him tonight, if you say no to him in life, he'll say no to you in that final day. But if you say come into my life now and in this life, He'll say, enter into the joy of your Lord on that final day. You decide where you'll spend eternity. Jesus has told you how to get there. He's got the ticket for heaven. But you have to reach out and take it. They're going to sing this chorus through one last time. And after they're done, I'm going to go back here and pray with these folks. So if there's anybody else that wants to come, come now. Come quickly if you would. These final moments, come. Tonight, you're coming to Jesus Christ. And I want you to know that He loves each and every one of you. And He has said that he or she that would come to Him, He would in no way cast out. And what that means is He's going to say yes to you if you come on His terms. But what are His terms? You have to be willing to turn from your sin. You need to put your faith in Jesus Christ to be your Savior and Lord. And he will come in and forgive you. In a moment I'm going to lead you in a prayer. And I'm going to ask that you would pray this prayer out loud after me. And this is where you're asking Christ to come into your life. So mean it from your heart. And pray it out loud. And God will hear you. Okay? I'm going to pray. You pray this after me. Let's all bow our heads to our word of prayer. Pray this out loud after me right now. Lord Jesus, I know I'm a sinner. I believe you died on the cross and shed your blood for every sin I have ever committed. Now come into my life and be my Savior and my Lord and my God and my friend. Fill me with the Holy Spirit and help me to follow you from this night forward. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. God bless you guys. We did that just for you. Yeah. 
because there's a celebration in heaven right now because of the decision that you've just made. The Bible says that there is joy in heaven over one sinner that comes to repentance. Hey, listen. All of you that came forward, we have a gift for you. It looks just like this. It's called the New Believer's Bible. See up there on the screen, you see that? This is what we have for you. We have it for you to take home and start reading. This is a friendly translation of the New Testament along with some notes that I wrote that will encourage you in your new commitment to Christ. So don't leave the field without it. We have someone standing near you right now that's wearing a little sticker on their shirt. It's green in color. They're there to help you, to talk with you, to explain with you what you've done. So if you would, turn around right now, find one of those counselors and let them talk with you and make sure you leave with your own copy of the New Believer's Bible. Counselors, go ahead and make your way to the folks now. God bless you guys. in heaven rejoice over one who comes to repentance. Think what must be happening in heaven tonight. Be in prayer. Be in prayer as there are decisions being made for eternity that God will just really seal the commitment that they've made this evening. Pastor Jack Hibbs, Calvary Chapel, Chino Hills, is going to come now and ask God's blessing as we close the meeting tonight. What an exciting night for sure. Let's prepare our hearts for prayer. And as you do, we are so very excited and we're going to pray in faith and believing. Let's pray together, shall we? Lord, we stand here tonight excited and grateful, and Father, we are glad, and we give you the glory for the things that have been done tonight. We pray, Lord, for each of those who've given their heart to your Son, Jesus Christ, tonight. And Lord, we give you all the honor and all the glory for reaching down from heaven tonight and to save these from their sins and to give them, Lord, not only forgiveness, but as we heard tonight, eternal life, which comes from you alone. And Father, we pray tonight, and all the praise and honor and glory goes to your Son, Jesus for being our personal Lord and Savior. And Father, we lift up to you also tonight, Greg Laurie, and we pray for him, body, soul, and spirit, that, Lord, you would keep him in every way and that he would always be a tool in your hand, that as this ministry grows, Lord, that Greg would always know and rejoice in the fact that you, Lord, are the Lord of the harvest. Father, we praise you and we commend now tonight into your hands these who have made decisions for Christ Father, we pray that you would keep them, and Lord, that they would be such a light and a witness in these last days. And Father, we together as Christians and these new believers added to the family of God tonight, we pray, Lord, that you would keep us ready and watching for your soon coming. So Lord, we dedicate our lives unto you. We thank you for the harvest tonight, and Lord, while we're at it, we pray for tomorrow night and Sunday night that you would do a work here, Lord God, that the angels in heaven would, yes, take notice and rejoice, but, Lord, that we would be a people that in these last days would make a great difference for your name. For we pray it now in Jesus' name, and all God's people said, amen. God bless you. Well, that was a great message for today. If you'd like to read more about how you can begin a relationship with God right now, or if you've recently made a decision to do so, visit us on the web, would you, at knowgod.org. That's K-N-O-W-G-O-D.org. You can register your decision, take advantage of a wealth of resources to help you get the most out of your relationship, and even receive a free copy of the New Testament. If you're already a believer and would like to help support Harvest Crusades by putting a Bible in the hands of a new believer, visit us at harvest.org STW. And of course, to subscribe to these podcasts, go to harvestpodcast.org. And you can sign up for Pastor Greg's free daily devotional at harvest.org devotional or email him directly at greg at harvest.org. 
Tomorrow night's message promises to be one you don't want to miss as well. We look forward to having you join us. God bless.